are listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome back to another episode, my lovely friend. I am so happy that you're joining me today. I am your host, Rebecca Henson, and if you have not already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you will be notified as soon as new episodes are posted. I am coming up on the 100th episode soon, and I haven't figured out what I'm going to do. What should I do to celebrate this milestone? When I started this podcast three years ago, almost three years ago, I started it with the intention of sharing stories. When I started my healing journey, I discovered that there were so many people out there who had their own stories and their own inspirational um, journeys that they've been on. And I wanted to help showcase and share those to help inspire others. This has been quite a wild ride these years, discovering all different healing modalities, uh, learning everything I could about nutrition and plants and animal agriculture, um, holistic health, all the things. And being able to share this information and these stories and find this community has been such a joy and such a fun ride. So I am so happy that you are joining me for this episode um, and for my past episodes and for the future ones to come. So thank you so much. If you have any suggestions or topics that you would like to have covered, please don't hesitate to send me an email. I would love to hear from you. My email is Rebecca at therefinedhippie.com. I love to get feedback. I love to hear from you. And um, yeah, feel free to send me a message. So with that, I am going to get right into today's episode, which is with my guest, Jacinda Shapiro, who is a registered nurse and certified diabetes educator focused on a lifestyle approach for prevention, management, and reversal with an emphasis on low-fat, whole food, plant-based nutrition, empowering those with type 1, LADA, type 2, and pre-diabetes. Of course, we get into all things diabetes, misconceptions revolving around this disease, insulin resistance and where it comes from, carbohydrates, fiber and the microbes in the gut, animal protein, fat, eggs. We talk about children and diabetes. And we, of course, discuss her own healing journey which started with her children. After her children were diagnosed with several different health issues, Jacinda went on a quest to heal her kids. And spoiler alert, she found plant-based lifestyle and healed her children. They have are now completely disease-free and she also healed her own body. So I won't give away any more. There's a lot that we discuss. There's a lot that we cover. We also cover animal cruelty and veganism, of course, which she is also very passionate about. So without further ado, here is my chat with the inspiring Jacinda Shapiro. Hi. 
Hi, Jacinda. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. We were just talking for like 20 minutes and I was like, yeah, we're going to hit record now. And you're like, what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we I just thought- had a whole full blown, full blown conversation. It was great, but <laughs> and now I do wish it was recorded, but it was not. So hello, hello. <laughs> We're gonna get started. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I guess you did say it was Chris who kind of, I guess you you learned about me through Chris the the vegan yeah, sheep dog podcast. Oh and- yeah, nice. Yeah. So I started yeah. following you after. He's awesome. Yeah. yeah he, he's and then we started following each other and I was like, oh my gosh, she should be on here. This is amazing. I don't think, I mean, we've talked, we've covered all different topics. Uh, this is going to be like, I think the 93rd podcast episode. So, um, and, and we've, I think we've covered diabetes, but we haven't, I don't think I've had any, like, mostly I've had on some doctors who were more about like cancer in the plant-based world. And um, yeah, but I don't think can't think of a diabetic person. So this is fun. This is awesome. I'm really excited because diabetes is obviously, as you know, and you probably have the stats on it is an epidemic for sure. And it's growing at a rapid rate, (laughs) but there's a lot of misconceptions on first off why it even happens or how, and a lot of people don't think that they can even reverse it for gosh sakes. Um, So I want to get into all of that, but I would like to start with just how you got into this, this niche, I guess, because you're a registered nurse. And a lot of times I feel like with allopathic Western medicine, most people who are in the Western medicine world do not, first, they don't know much about reversing disease. They just know about drugs and how to, you know, mask the symptoms of disease or whatnot. So how did you get to this place? So it's a, it's start sort of a long story. Um, I have three children and my middle child came into the world really small. He was smaller than my other two kids. Um, by age seven, he was diagnosed with failure to thrive. He had uncontrollable asthma. We could not control his asthma. He used his rescue inhaler every day. Um, he, we had his nebulizer out on the counter. We couldn't even put it away. GI issues, couldn't digest food, always constipated. At age two and a half, he was covered with eczema, head to toe. Now my husband, I'm a widow. Uh, My husband died in 2018, but he was an orthopedic surgeon. And I had done oncology nursing 27 years ago. And we knew it had to be something in our environment, but I was really confused about where to start. Was it what I was cooking with, what I was using to bathe him with? Was it our pipes in our house, our food? And I really believed that the food I ate was good. I I believed, you know, that as long as you didn't overeat, Mm. that's really what it was. I I grew up uh, eating McDonald's. I had a cheeseburger, small fry, small chocolate shake. I never supersized it. But yet, in my 30s, I ended up developing high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, I had been diagnosed with lupus. I thought it was just my bad genes. My dad had high blood pressure. My dad had high cholesterol. So did my grandmother. So did my great-grandmother. Uh, my great grandmother died of a triple A, an abdominal aortic aneurysm. 
My dad almost died from one and his was 8.3 centimeters when it was diagnosed. So I thought that was going to be my future history. Uh, but with our third child, I realized, you know, something had to be done. I was losing sleep. When he was three, his eczema was so bad, it covered every inch of his body, uh, his eyelids, even his butt. Aww. And he would go to sleep crying at night, and I would go to sleep crying at night. And every time we went to see a new doctor, they would say, oh, it's this, so give him soy milk. And then we'd give him soy milk. He reacted to every protein we gave him. And then he would like blow up and he'd have hives everywhere. Um, so we went to see an alternative medicine doctor in Texas. This guy kept popping up um, in like shopping mall areas because he kept getting his license dinged in from the Department in, uh, of Health in, um, in Texas. Because when you skew from the standard of care in Texas, then they don't allow you to practice medicine. Mm. But we were at our ends rope. I probably would have never done this if it had not been for such a sick child. So we were sitting in the waiting area and I was really skeptical thinking, what are we doing? And the doctor comes in and he looks at our son and he goes, well, that's the worst form of yeast I've ever seen on a child before. I'll be with you in a moment. So we go back and he tells us literally that we have to fast him. And then we have to eat really vegetables only. No whole grains, absolutely no fruit, because he said it could make that the yeast would grow by eating fruit. We would bring it back in slowly. So we all did it. Um, I did it. I wasn't going to eat other food and starve my young four-year-old son. So we all did this and he was covered with eczema. I kid you not, in seven days, <laughs> he had like no eczema except some behind his knee and some on his arms. Um, then he slowly had us bring back fruit. We couldn't add anything to it either. Like we couldn't add pepper or salt and we couldn't cook in oils. Um, and we gr gradually added back plants. He told us that we shouldn't be adding back meats and stuff to it. And if we did, we need to make sure that they weren't processed meats and no processed foods. But I really thought I was starving to death. So as soon as he was completely clear, we were back through McDonald's again. And I thought that meat was really something we needed. Um, I didn't understand really what you needed to eat to feel full, satiated. Um, I thought it was part of a healthy diet. And so then we waxed and waned with eczema. Um, I have linked it to processed um, wheats, you know, so I would notice if, if I ate and ones that had more pesticides and herbicides mm -hmm. on it. So if we ate organic wheat, he had less of it than if we ate just regular wheat bread. Mm -hmm. He traveled um, to Israel with his grandparents at one point, and he ate all the wheat he wanted there and had no eczema. But here in the United States, he eats wheat and he ends up with eczema. So we brought meat back into our system. And what do you know? He's having asthmatic episodes as he sleeps at night. We are on one drug. I am looking, Googling, what's the next drug? What can we use to save him, right? But we know drugs don't reverse disease and don't save people. But I didn't know what else to do. So a friend of ours told us to read the China study. And this was in 2016. 
And we read the China study and it changed our lives overnight. Now, mind you, up until that point, we were on keto. And I have to say in the beginning, we felt great. That's like, usually how it goes. <laughs> crap, right? We weren't yeah. eating processed foods. Right. I was aware of what dyes were in food and really just eating real food. Um, so we felt better, but then we didn't feel so good. And, and he still had asthmatic episodes and he still had eczema. So we read the China study and overnight changed our diet wow. just overnight in three months, he came off of all of his medications. Oh. Essentially they tell us that you can't reverse asthma. We reversed his asthma. He, he's never used his nebulizer ever again. I mean, that is cool. As I was cleaning out my bathroom the other day, I debated getting rid of it, but I was like, oh, you know, it was expensive. I'll just keep it here. And that was in 2017, in February of 2017, when we took him plant-based. So he has never used it three months past that point. Um, in three months, I had normal blood pressure, normal cholesterol levels, um, and I've never had an issue since then. And what I mean by normal is optimized. I don't ever, ever have like an LDL above 55. I don't have a total cholesterol above 150. I have optimal lipids, but in one year I normalized all of my titers for lupus. I don't actually have lupus anymore. My husband was furious after reading the China study. He was angry that he was never, ever told by anyone. He didn't learn it in medical school. He didn't read about it. Um, he had to watch PETA videos to stop eating animal products. I did not for myself. Um, and we've waxed and waned. There were times I thought maybe I could bring dairy back in. And, and of course, in practice, it's the very first thing I take people off of. Um, but there were, the water is very muddy. Even amongst a lot of plant-based healthcare providers around the area of fat, because fat is really, really important and rooted in optimal health, even when you're plant-based. Um, so that's how we got into it. And I, I just wish that we had done it sooner. Um, after going plant-based, I opened my eyes up to what happened in animal agriculture. Uh, we lived in Texas, a lot of friends who hunt. We used to take our kids fishing. And there was something always inside of me that that didn't like fishing, didn't like harming fish. Um, I was even vegan in high school for animal rights reasons, and then went right back to eating meat again. And there's a lot I didn't know about animal agriculture, though. I just knew mm -hmm. I loved animals. Right. Um, I now have a hard time trying not to beat myself up about why, why I chose to have blinders on for so long. Yeah. Um, so I feel the same. I, I feel the same. And I also, I, I, I was never, I mean, I should have been a vegan a long time ago. I think a lot of us who are so passionate about plant-based veganism feel that way. Like why, why did I not put the 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 dots together especially when um I've said on here before that my my family thought that I was going to be a veterinarian because I loved animals so much and I was like four you know because it was like obvious that I had this like draw to I just like loved them all of them you know and but just like everyone you know we're we're um 
we're tribal and we we do what our culture, what those around us are doing, right? You know, I knew nobody who was vegetarian growing up. I grew up in a small town. I didn't know anyone who was vegetarian. I think if I had maybe been exposed to somebody, maybe I would have been or thought about it more. But, and I also ate meat that was as far <laughs> from, you know, visually looking like it had been a creature, <laughs> you know, like it was like chicken nuggets and like <laughs> deli meats and like, oh gosh. Um, but yeah, and your story about your son, I feel like these are this it's it's absolutely incredible. And it's like so many people that that I guess see the light, you know, when they when they when they experience it. And and going to the keto thing, I, I actually met somebody the other day who um she's carnivore, because that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and she she has she has MS and and right now and she has been feeling better, I guess, you know on this carnivore diet, but I'm like, long-term, what is that doing to your, to your body? First off, I didn't realize that carnivore diets, they, um, they only eat once a day. So she eats one meal, which is, and all of her calories come from this one meal. I don't know if you know about, I, I know nothing about the carnivore diet. So this was new to me, which I'm like, how insanely restrictive and like depressing is that, you know, and, and, you know, just getting on the gut health and, and, I mean, all the things like you're, you're not eating any fiber, you know, what is that doing to your microbiome? I mean, we know what it's doing. (laughs) Oh, we know what it's doing. I mean, (laughs) it's a rhetorical question, I guess. (laughs) Oh, we know. I just had to be really quiet because I feel, I mean, she is, she's so gung ho about it. Right. And, and as of right now, it has supposedly helped her, just like you're saying with like keto and like paleo. A lot of times people can have improvements because they are eliminating super processed foods, you know, inflammatory oils, all of those things. But I'm like, long term, this is not this is not gonna be good, you know. That it's unfortunate. I, I get a lot of people um chiming in who are carnivores on Instagram. Always fun, right? <laughs> Always fun. Always, <laughs> always fun to wake up to those messages. Like, oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> you know, it's why. funny. I, I wanted to be a vet too. I I worked with vets all the way through high school, um, and every vet I've ever known eats animals. Eat animals. Eats animals. Eats animals. Right? You know, I mean, we're just so disconnected. It's I I don't know why why because it's been happening for so long. You know, we're just raised in it. We never get to the point where we just decide we're going to eat an animal. It's just part of our life. It's what you do. Yeah. And this is why people say it's like, well, this is what we do, you know, like, or or when it comes to traditions like Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's like, well, well, we always eat this, but you don't have to. You can stop it right now. You can break the cycle, you know? And yeah, and going out like with the tribal set, like people don't want to be different. You know, I think that as far as like you be in high school being vegan, you know, socially it can be very, especially, I, I don't think it's so much as now, but years ago it was, you were ostracized. You could possibly be ostracizing yourself, you know, because it was so, depending on where you're growing up. Right. Well, so I grew up in the LA area well, and then, then you probably had lots of people than I would think. Right. Yeah. So or- in the early eighties, there, there was a group of us, you know, we were all, you know, going vegan and doing what was right for animals. And, um, 
you know, so we had support around us. Yeah, that helps. After That's I went through college. Yeah, it, it is. It's, yeah. it's key for everything that we do. It's why it makes it so hard for patients to stick eating plants if they don't have any support at home. And then after I was in school and then, you know, off in the workforce, um, I just... I don't, I don't even remember really how it happened. It just, it was started with dairy yeah. and all the stuff just kind of the gateway, all... the gateway food <laughs> <laughs> gateway food for sure. Um, and then it just came back and, you know, I knew somewhat about, I mean, I even had a cow as a friend when I was in high school, um, next door, we moved all around. I had family issues growing up. So we, we were living up in Northern California and we were renting a home next to another home that had this beautiful garden and across the street were, was this cow and a bull. And uh, I would steal vegetables from our neighbor's uh, garden and feed the cow. And I would moo to her in the morning and she would come running to me. Like I even had a connection, you know, with a cow and yet Prime rib was one of my favorite meals that I would cook. So disconnected. Um, now I can't seem to get the images out of my mind. And I want to, like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back, but I want the images to stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like we were saying before we hit record about, you know, being on Instagram and all these different videos coming up. And I mean, Part of me is like, it's good to have reminders, even though I don't really think I need, I personally don't need them. <laughs> I don't need to be reminded why I don't want to eat <laughs> friends, <laughs> but at the same time, it does make me more, I don't know. It makes me upset. And then it may, but then part of me is like, well, it makes me want to fight more for them. I don't know what the, I don't know, which is worse, you know, like not seeing them at all or Yeah. I haven't found the balance. I know I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot though, because it's having a negative impact on yeah. my mental health, thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I, and some days are worse than others and I'm affected by it more, you know, like a few days ago I saw some horrible video and it was, and I, and I think I, I'm pretty sure I cried. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> like threw my phone away. I was like, oh, I can't take it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, and then some days, you know, I don't know. I'm, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. And then it's hard, you know, with the plant-based just merging the, t I mean, they, you know, like I was saying, they go hand in hand, obviously like being plant-based and being vegan, because if you want to, to help the animals, you need to be the best version of yourself to be a beacon of, you know, health. So people don't have anything to say like, oh, you have to eat meat. See, you're going to look like that if you don't eat meat, you know? Oh, for sure. We, we want to rep represent the best health possible. And also, um, Western chronic disease are foodborne illnesses. So if you are eating vegan crap, you develop Western chronic disease. I have lots of patients who are vegan, uh, overweight, suffering diabetes and, and diabetes is not a solo traveler. It likes lots of undesirable friends. When you have diabetes, you type two diabetes and insulin resistance, you are at much higher risk of developing cancer. Um, you often have cancer, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, dementia, 
Alzheimer's, which is insulin resistance of the brain. So we call it type three diabetes. Um, so as I tell my vegan friends who I have so many of them and I work together doing veg fests and outreach and boots on the ground activism is that if you are truly vegan for the animals, you will be plant-based because your high fat food that has no fiber and is processed creates disease. And not only will you live a shorter life and studies tell us that if you're eating, eating vegan crab, you are at a higher risk of dying than those eating the standard American diet, eating meat and eating some vegetables that this highly processed vegan stuff will take your life sooner. Mm. And if you take a medication to control your blood pressure, to bring down your high cholesterol, millions of animals die to bring these drugs to market. So how vegan for the animals are you if you choose to eat food all the time? And I'm not talking 100% of the time. If you're eating it for a special occasion, like we went to the veg fest and we ate crap, but we more than 90% of the time eat really healthy. So if you are eating it every once in a while, but if it is the staple of your diet and truthfully, most people don't know how much fat they eat. They think they do, but they don't really understand how much fat they're actually eating in their food and how little fiber they eat. And this includes our vegan and plant-based friends. Yeah. And, and with diabetes, there's, you know, um, kind of this nutrition dogma around, uh, sugar as being the only villain, right? So yeah. tell us, tell us about that. <laughs> Misconception. Well, you know, refined sugars are not good for us. Yeah. You know, they cause inflammation, they create disease, but they don't cause type two diabetes. Um, it is excess dietary fat that causes type two diabetes, type two diabetes and causes all diabetic complications. Most healthcare providers do not really understand what it means to have insulin resistance and where it comes from. Because if they did, we wouldn't have a doctor in the world that would ever recommend a ketogenic diet. Hmm. So the little story I like to tell my patients, so to make it visual for them, you imagine the room you're sitting in is one of your muscle cells because insulin resistance and prediabetes and type two diabetes doesn't begin in the pancreas. It begins in your muscle tissue. It begins in your liver tissue. These tissues store lots and lots of sugar. It's the primary fuel for your body. So you get up in the morning, you're gonna pretend the room you're sitting in is one of your muscle cells. And one of those doors is your insulin receptor. And on the other side of that door, is your blood. So you get up in the morning and you eat eggs because your doctor tells you that eggs are great to eat if you're living with diabetes. And you wanna have a banana and you think, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I should eat that banana, but you go ahead and eat it. And you're like, it's gonna raise my blood sugars. So your body breaks it down into sugars and, and the fat and the sugar is outside that door in your blood. Now, fat doesn't need help getting into cells like sugar does. So the fat comes on into the room where you're setting and your muscle tissue goes, whoa, wait a minute, fat. What are you doing in here? You don't belong in here. I need you to get back over to that adipose tissue. You know, too much of you in here will harm me. You need to leave. And fat's like, 
not going anywhere. I like it in here. So you got a couple of options. You can get up and start running so you can start burning me or do nothing. And I'm just going to start accumulating here inside this cell. And this is typically what happens for most people. You know, diabetes doesn't happen overnight. So it accumulates day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade. So meanwhile, sugar is on the other side of that door and it waits for insulin to come down. So if you are producing insulin, your pancreas produces a little insulin. Insulin's not the bad guy. Every, every animal needs it. Your dog needs it. Rats need it. Deer need it to be able to move sugar into the cells to be utilized. So insulin comes on down, meets up with sugar on the other side of that door and goes, Hey, sugar, you want to get inside that cell? Sugar's like, yeah, I need to get in there. So it's like, hang on. I got a key. Takes out a key and tries to unlock the door. Won't unlock. So insulin looks back at sugar and goes, man, I, I'd really love to open the door, but there's gum in the lock and my, my key won't work. Well, that gum is from fat. And so it traps the sugar in the blood. So we see sugar as the problem, but sugar is only the symptom. The problem is the excess dietary fat, but it creates another problem. So if you are living with diabetes, you have to take more insulin to be able to break down that door to push those sugars in there, but your liver produces sugar produces sugar because it's your primary fuel. And it's why diabetics have to take insulin all the time, even when they don't eat and when they sleep, because your liver is always producing its primary fuel, sugar. But if it thinks you're starving and that you're not getting sugar in those cells, it produces even more sugar. So now you even need to take more insulin to be able to get those sugars into the cell. So we're constantly chasing the symptom. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it's just going to get worse and worse. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're not, I mean, it's just like all disease, if you're not addressing the root cause and you're trying to mask the symptoms, then over time. Yeah. It, well, it gets worse for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first reason is we're not taking action soon enough. You know, diabetes doesn't happen overnight. So people will think, you know, if they have their fasting blood sugars, you know, 126 and higher, they have diabetes. And if it's above 100, they have prediabetes. But boy, if it's below 100, they're good. <laughs> doesn't work that way. Blood sugars in the 90s are not normal. They're beginning stages of insulin resistance and diabetes. So if you have fasting blood sugars in the 90s, you should already be concerned. You are at beginning stages, and these stages can take decades for some people. And by the time you make it into pre-diabetes, you can be there 10 years or even longer before you have full-blown diabetes. And by the time you have full-blown diabetes, you 50% of your beta cells, the cells that produce insulin, are destroyed. And once they're destroyed, you can't get them back. So we want to intervene when people have blood sugars in the 90s. We want to be able to be teaching people the right things to put in their mouth to prevent ever becoming pre-diabetic or diabetic. But we don't. And um, so what, a, what does the healthcare system tell people anyway? I went to an event called Friends for Life. It is a, an event for children living with type 1 diabetes. It's a wonderful program. It, it connects children and families. So you feel part of a community and you're not alone. 
but there's a real disconnect on food. And that's a topic for a different time because we have links to dairy, low vitamin D levels being linked to turning on the expression of type one diabetes. But what are these children told? They are told right out the gates to reduce their carbohydrates. Some of them that came to my table to speak to me, try to keep their carbohydrates to no more than 30 grams a day. So fiber is a carbohydrate that we cannot digest, only found, of course, you know, and your fruits and vegetables and your whole grains and your beans. And these children are taught to restrict them. Our healthy microbes in our gut only eat plants and mushrooms. So when we restrict intake of them, we starve the microbes in our gut. And when we starve them, they can't do these beautiful things that promote health. A lot of people don't know that these microbes up and down regulate gene expression. They synthesize vitamins. They make almost all of our neurotransmitters, including 75% of serotonin, that happy hormone. Um, they regulate hormones. They regulate our blood sugars. They regulate our blood pressure. They make our immune function. So what do we tell these kids? Don't eat carbohydrates, starve them. So there is an alarming statistic, and I don't actually know where the study comes from, but I listened to Cyrus Kambata give this statistic on a talk that 33% of children, uh, you know, who are diagnosed with type one diabetes die before the age of 50 of heart disease. Most of it's heart attack and it, and having diabetes does not predispose them to heart disease, but what we're doing for management does tell them to starve their microbes. And then we tell them, because if you're not eating carbohydrates, what else are you eating? Protein and fat, right? And almost any animal product that's high in protein is high in fat. There's no such thing as low fat animal protein. So, so, and what, what's the one food I go after them all the time, all the time. They're the biggest food. I do not want patients living with diabetes eating. Can you tell me the food that they are all told to eat and eat abundantly? I don't know. Fish, <laughs> chicken, <laughs> eggs. eggs. Oh yeah. Like you were saying eggs. Yes. Yeah. Eggs all the time eat eggs. So we know from the work done by physicians committee for responsible medicine, they're always publishing studies. It's down to, I read one of their studies where one egg a day increases your risk of dying from cancer by 36% and all cause mortality by 42%. So eggs contain like 67% fat, 20% of that fats, saturated fat contains cholesterol, which our liver makes. Um, the, the cholesterol we consume does not go into the cells for cell, for, for the development of the cell membrane. It just floats around in your blood. In one egg, the amount of cholesterol is equal to like two Whoppers with cheese from Burger King or two uh, Big Macs from McDonald's, right? Contains no fiber and fat and cholesterol causes heart disease. So we tell these children eat eggs and no fiber and they die at alarming rates. I mean, this really is not difficult to understand, not difficult to understand. And time and time again, 
I work with patients all the time, just getting them started on insulin pumps. And they'll be like, but my doctor told me to stop eating carbs and eat a lot more protein. So their doctor's telling them to eat a lot more fat, no more carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're making people sick. It's a literal like recipe for disaster. It is pun, pun intended. <laughs> why you see an uptick on diabetes. So one in three people have prediabetes in the United States. So when, when kids are teenagers, I think it's something like ages 12 to 17 or 19. Um, it's one in five have prediabetes. And by the time they're 19, it jumps to one in four. But one in three adults have prediabetes. At the rate we're going with the development of diabetes, it's projected that one in three will have diabetes within 25 years. Um, But we have more drugs on the market. If you look at how many drugs came on the market from 1995 to 2010, it was an explosion of drugs for type two diabetes. But we went from a prevalence of 4.5 of the population diagnosed with diabetes to 8.2 in that time period. And since then, we have more drugs. We didn't have type one and a half, I think, in 1950. I don't even think it exists. Mm. It was so rare. It was like the super rare. Yeah. There's autoimmune diseases that Dr. Will Balsawicz talks about that did not exist in 1950. I'm not so sure type one and a half existed in 1950. Yeah, I don't think it existed in 1950. I think it is a new autoimmune form of diabetes. This is not evolution, right? This takes evolution is thousands and thousands of years. I think it, we've added uh, fuel to the fire with all of our herbicides, pesticides. We, we live in a chemical world from our shampoos to toothpaste, um, to our nonstick cookware, um, that fuels what we're hundred Yeah. It's like the perfect storm, you know, Perfect storm. I mean, the body cannot be this bombarded with toxins and function properly. Like it's, it's, it's impossible, you know, like we can't. And that's why we're seeing younger and younger children with cancer, you know, outside of accidents, cancer is the leading cause of death, you know, death for children. Um, and it, it is, and we, we think about what the mother is consuming affects that child. Heart disease begins in utero. It begins in utero. Uh, You know, children by the age of 10, unfortunately in the United States, most children by the age of 10 in the United States have coronary artery disease, at least on autopsy of children who die by the age of 10. Yeah, Yeah, I'd seen that stat or that they, um, maybe it was even younger that they have fatty streaks, you know, in their, it was like seven or something. I don't know, just like, just so crazy to fathom, you know, that that's, I know. But if the mom is eating a high fat diet, then her baby can already start developing it in utero. And then if that's how you're eating, then it's how you're feeding your kids. Um, you know, I have, you know, three kids, my, my daughter is older. So when we went plant-based, she was already out of the home. She does a good job, but there's a lots of room for improvement. She eats too much crap. She does have insulin resistance. There's some issues that are going on that she could improve by eating more fiber and reducing 
her fat and not falling into eating something because everyone else is, right? But my two boys are advocates for the environment. They actually work with conservation. And and by the way, my son Zane, who was not well, um, he is a dive master. He's 18 now. He is a dive master. He is an advocate for sharks and alligators and crocodiles. He is a hundred percent plant-based. Um, but he's a dive master. He wouldn't have been able to be a scuba diver if his asthma had stayed where it was. In his senior year, he was the fastest kid on the cross-country team. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but um, they eat no animal animals at all. They're 100% plant-based. And I don't find it difficult. I hear all the time how difficult it is. But I I also don't allow my kids to plug in their phones in their room. They have to plug it in downstairs. I don't sleep with a phone in my room. None of us do. We plug it in downstairs away from bedrooms. Um, I, I try to practice what I preach with them. Um, when it comes to food, I've always led by example. They cook. I, I have never had difficulties with them eating plants. I let them know what happens in animal agriculture because that's how you get children when they're younger because they really do love animals. But my one son has a life-threatening allergy to tree nuts. So he understands to restrict things, but he saw how sick his brother was and it was life-changing for Zane. Um, they don't have problems. And if they did, I wouldn't allow my children to smoke either. And most parents, not all, but most parents want their children wearing a helmet or a seatbelt. And so if you want your kids wearing a seatbelt, but the amount of people who die every year from motor vehicle accidents, and my mother was one of them. She died in a head-on collision oh. when she was 23. But it's not a large number of people. I, I had that number at one point when I used it in a talk. It's not a big It's pretty group. small, yeah. I think I've seen that before too. So the, the likelihood that your child will ever die because they're not wearing a helmet when they ride a bicycle, but the chances that your child at some point in their life will die from heart disease or cancer that are foodborne diseases, what they eat now matters. How you feed them now matters. Uh, my youngest kid plays Dungeons and Dragons and we rotate homes with a big group of boys. And they all bring their food, their lunch. I often take pictures of it. Nothing is healthy. Every once in a while, I might see an orange or a banana, but it's highly processed. It is processed meats, group one carcinogen, meaning they don't maybe cause cancer, they cause cancer. Their parents might as well put in a pack of cigarettes along with that highly processed meats, right? But we don't know, right? Because what... How could that be legal? How could <laughs> right. it be legal exactly. for us to feed the children? I mean, after all, they serve it in cafeterias at schools where some children, like the school where my kids go to high school, it's the only food they get in a day is what they eat at school. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about about kids is, I mean, I know parents who let their children eat junk and their rational you know they rationalize it by 
the idea that, oh, they're kids, they'll outgrow it, and they're indestructible right now. That's that's literally what they, they think that because they're children, and just like a lot of kids, especially like, you know, when you're younger, you seemingly can eat anything because you still look thin, right? So then if you're still thin, then it's obviously not affecting you. But that is not, that's not how it works, you know? Not how it works. It's like diabetes is this gradual thing. The cancer a child will develop is determined how they're fed as a child. Everything matters. And the goal is to prevent disease, not treat disease, but prevent disease. So everyone should be able to celebrate a birthday and have a piece of cake if they want a piece of cake. But these kids are eating this way 24 all the time, all the time. And we don't even get good instruction from our coaches in school. You know, kids are also eating at the wrong times too. That This matters for everybody, including children. Um, when we eat, it's important. And also when we're running cross country and track, like my kids do, um, you don't eat before you're running. You know, all these kids, it seems to be so common that these kids are just throwing up when they finish a 5k. Oh, Sorry, oh, gross. I, oh I'm, in my, I'm in my 50s. I run 5k's all the time because it's what I run. I run at least four miles when I go out for a run in the day. Wow. I don't come home throwing up. <laughs> So these kids, you would be like, I'm not running anymore. I would be like, over oh, that. It's so unhealthy for you, right? Yeah. And all these kids are coming across throwing up. Um, you know, there seems to be a lack of any knowledge about proper nutrition, when to eat, when not to eat, you know, um, and they don't get it in school. Um, our school coaches are told to push dairy because they take funding from the dairy industry. Right. I mean, all like all these answers to our questions, you know, why, why do people think this way? Why do people eat this way? I mean, it all goes back to money, you know, all circles back to money, always all circles back to money. But you know, a funny thing I had this lady say to me one time, she, she approached me in the gym that I used to work out in and wanted to know more about plants. So she switched to plants and she started losing all this weight naturally, you know, just started happening. Someone who she worked with in a law firm told her, cause I, I always told this person, watch the money, see where the money, you know, said, well, you need to ask her about the money of big plants. <laughs> <laughs> so believe it or not, this woman told her she was going to become nutrient deficient, was not a medical professional, but she came to the gym and mind you, I gave her information for free. Like she I never charged her like right. she would just ask me questions and stuff. And I sometimes speak too much. So I gave her a lot of information, but she then came back like telling me how wrong I was because her friend and I looked at her and I said, I am, you know what? You want to believe your friend. You believe your friend. I I've never charged you for my services. You were feeling better, but I'm sorry. There's no big broccoli. And if that's what you believe, I'm probably not going to be able to change your mind. <laughs> so. That is literally what I tell. I always use the big broccoli as a thing. It's like when people talk about, you know, I don't know that you should be eating this and that. I'm like, who is, who, you know, these certain studies come out just like recently I've seen some studies about eggs and, or sorry, cholesterol and how, you know, there's a, a bunch of these people, influencers and stuff saying like, eggs are not bad. That's been debunked. And I'm like, no, who funded that? I'm like, we mm -hmm. always follow the money. 
get like big broccoli you really think that they're the ones who are infiltrating conquerors right now to like sway i mean like what are you talking about you know like seriously i mean when we talk when we look at subsidies who gets the majority of subsidies animal right. ag uh, subsidies for plants is like it's like five percent or something it's so minuscule yeah. i mean that's not there's not some conspiracy you know, against animal ag, like the conspiracy is in favor of animal ag, right? That's right. And people want excuses for their bad habits. True. They, true. they just do. And, um, well, and it's and when- easier to, it's easier to, um, you know, go paleo or go keto or whatever, because you're not really altering your lifestyle that drastically, you know, I mean, yeah, you cut out some processed foods, which, you know, is hard for some people. I, I get that, but it's still, you can still have your traditional turkey dinner and your steak yeah. dinner, whatever, you know. You can eat at most places where True. you might will have trouble. Oh, I have. Eat. Yeah. But yeah, you have to be strategic about <laughs> if you're going out to eat. Yeah. In South Dakota, my kids and I were in South Dakota and we were at a huge restaurant, huge. They had salads, sides. And I thought it would be like at a Ruth Chris, you know, and I said, I don't can't have butter on anything but all their prep work is done the morning before and everything's put in with butter we actually had to leave we we couldn't eat anything at this place um and you know on eggs when you talked about people who are like but the studies it's been debunked well most of these people who are saying this do not understand study design and nor do they understand how the control arms they are saturating those control arms with cholesterol you get to a point that you see a very small bump if any at all in cholesterol so those studies they already had them saturated out by eating eggs and bacon and it depends on the study but they were already eating it and they added additional eggs to their diet and didn't see an increase. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that, yes, we need cholesterol for sex hormones and what have you, but the cholesterol you eat just floats around your blood. It doesn't go to make sex hormones. The liver, your liver's production of the cholesterol is what goes to make that. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of misinformation out there. So much misinformation. And I think you're talking about the Instagram and stuff. It does. It's just so rampant. And I've talked about it with some other friends that I swear to gosh, like they are trying to make me crazy. Like <laughs> they are putting on my newsfeed there. They will show me all this stuff that is the opposite of, of what is the truth or I believe or whatever you want to call it. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like get upset that I don't know that just people are out there saying these things. <laughs> They are. I try to disconnect from that. I will actually delete some of their, because often they'll come after me. Like I don't go to carnivore. Same. I don't do it. I don't, you know, because of argue with those people. Like I don't I'm have not, time for that. I'm not, <laughs> you know, it, and so, and I'm not on a panel where we're having a healthy debate. Right. So, but I have had people come to me. And so there is one person who I've followed because she came and attacked me on my site, but it's been, we've been nice to each other. Like we've never, so I have kept the communication up with her. I do follow her. Ironically, I actually thought she was in Tampa, but it turns out she's not in Tampa. She's up in New Jersey. Um, I don't know why I thought she was in Tampa, but I keep track of her because she is complete carnivore. 
And on private messaging, I, I asked her about her labs, if she would share with me. And she would not. She just told me she had a normal calcium score, which does not tell us does not tell us. And I'd like to know what her calcium score is in another 15 years if she makes it by eating zero fiber. She would send me emojis that her mouth will never taste plants ever again with an emoji vomiting. Um, and she would not tell me her LDL. She sent me this chart done by one of those carnivore doctors. It's not based in any research too. People oh, I, don't I know what you it's the one that shows really high cholesterol levels is optimal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she sends me this and I'm like, uh, you know, so I send her a study. She sends me a carnivore study. That's still not a study. She has no long-term studies to send me. So I follow her because I'm waiting to see how long it takes before she dies. You know, because, well, Atkins, you know, people, people, you know, it all comes from Atkins. It doesn't matter what you call it, whether your zone diet, your blood type diet, your South Beach diet, keto, paleo, it all comes from Atkins. And he was riddled with coronary artery disease. And any studies we have shows that it decrease, decreases your life expectancy and you're riddled with disease. Why? Because it causes insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. Very true. And, you know, and then there's these people on this camp that, you know, talking about the the blood type diary, diet, diary, <laughs> diet and, and whatnot. And somebody had said recently about, um, oh, well, everybody's so different, you know, it, everybody needs different things. And, you know, my, I, I love the example of the blue zones because these people eat predominantly plant-based and they, they're all different. They all have different blood types. They're all different races. They're all scattered around the entire world. So you're telling me that you need something to, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't add up, right? It doesn't add up. Here's where we're different. You know, I have some patients that can eat more nuts and avocados than others to keep their, I watch the LDL. And if I see that their intake of healthy fats puts their LDL at a level I don't find to be optimal, we reduce it. And then I have some patients that can eat more and sometimes they're couples like one person can eat a lot more and the other person gets really frustrated. Here's where genes come in, right? Some people clear fat better than others. My boys are a great example of this. So my younger son, they eat exactly the same food. I cook the same meals, but Zane's LDL is like between 27 and 29 and Cade's runs around 42, but they eat same food, but their LDLs are optimal LDLs, but one has that gene that's just clear in house, you know, with, with better the than fat. Others, yeah, for that, sure. better than others. Um, you know, so, and I think we were from different regions and we may tolerate different food. Differently. There, yeah. There can be some, some small variations, yeah. but I don't but think that it's as dramatic as people say, not. like, this person needs to eat carnivore and needs to eat yeah. completely meat. And this person can eat plant-based. No, that's not, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's not, it, it's, not. and we, we were never, ever just carnivore ever through history. And the times, even when we ate more meat and we, no one really knows. These are just guesses about what we really did at one point for animal agriculture, but um, we didn't live long. 
Exactly. <laughs> you didn't live long, you know? So I don't, life was pretty tough, you know? Um, so things have changed. I mean, it's changed and it's like, what, how is that, that you want cave people to be your, your, um, yeah like and they weren't your role model like (laughs) they were low they 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 were lower intelligence too you know low intelligence you want to be stupid and die young well first off (laughs) you need to go you need to get off your phone you know if you're going to really try to live that lifestyle you need to get off your phone you need to go live in a hut or in a cave literally and uh, there's all kinds of other things that you need to not be doing to really live that lifestyle and you know with different cultures and and whatnot who eat different food. I mean, even if you're exercising a lot, you know, a lot of cultures that do eat, well, first off, they still don't live as long as people who live, you know, eat plant-based, but you can live, like you can live on Cheetos technically, like how long you're going to live. I don't know, like how many issues you're going to have, but it's the same with like meat. Like you can still live on those things, but like examples with people and like there's certain tribes that people will try to, or the Inuits or whatnot, they'll try to say, well, look at these people. Well, the Inu- they don't have long life expectancies. And when they have done autopsies, they've all had atherosclerosis, you know? And also, you know, with the, the tribes in Africa, these people walk like 20 all miles day. a day. Like that's they all follow, they're doing. They, they follow the animals all day long, all day Mo- long. They're not most, sitting at your computer all day long. Like right, most people won't take a 10 minute walk after. I dinner. know yeah. you can't, there's no similarities in lifestyle at all. So like you can't eat like these people when you have zero, you know, right. common right. lifestyle with them. But anyways, yeah, it's, yeah, it's nuts. So it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, I am so happy to hear about your son. Like they, I just love these stories. They're so, um, they're so inspirational because there are so many people who are dealing with their own, either their own issues or certainly with their children. Like that is, I think the most, uh, I don't, I I mean, as I'm not a parent, but I can imagine as a parent that, you know, watching your child be sick really will put the fire under you to find some solution, you know? That's it. If I didn't have him, I would probably still be really sick and just telling people it's just my genes. Right. Right. When, um, when y'all, after y'all read the China study, were you following like that type of diet or were, were you doing something more restrictive or how were you? We were following that diet, but we were following having some fish still in our diet because the China study had fish in the diet. And we thought, great, we'll be able to keep a little bit of fish. We love sushi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we took everything else. So here's something interesting that happened uh, to me. So um, at 48, I started to go through menopause. And we were um, eating still a little bit of fish. And for the first time in my life, I ended up with irregular periods. And they're like, well, it's because you're going through menopause. But then I started hemorrhaging and I had a fibroid and a cyst for the very first time in my life. And I think we were really trying to replace too much with fish. And um, we were reading, I was reading and my husband was listening to How Not to Die by Dr. Greger. And we got to the section on fish contamination. Like it really doesn't matter where your fish comes from. First, it's loaded with fat and cholesterol, which at that time I did not understand its role in insulin resistance. And that insulin resistance was more than prediabetes or type two. It's all forms of diabetes and it's all Western chronic disease. 
So um, we read that section, understanding that they're contaminated with big pharma and pesticides and herbicides. And he goes, why don't we stop eating fish? So I was like, okay, why not? Now, mind you, he had been to Alaska. We had a freezer full of salmon. He went on a boys trip, right? So we stop eating it. I am hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging. I can't stop it. You know, my doctors are giving me these different options about what to do. We stop eating fish. And in 30 days, I stopped bleeding. And I literally went through menopause with no issues. Like I literally replaced it all with soy products. I went through menopause. I had some very light hot flashes, very light. But so much so, they really weren't anything to talk about. They didn't disrupt my sleep. They didn't disrupt working. But I went through it just in a couple of months and I was just done. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think people, it's just like with everything, they, we, it's just perpetuated that it's supposed to be this awful thing. Just like, you know, your period is supposed to be awful. And, you know, that's it, not how it should be. Like, it's not, it's not natural. Just because it, I say this all the time, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And all these things have been normalized. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I will have to have you back on because um, we have so much that we can talk about <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, I am so glad we got to connect. I am, I'm on the fence. I'm actually thinking about like keeping Instagram and then coming to it it's mainly for a resource because one, I have information information I post about. I mean, I can only say the same thing over and over again. Comes <laughs> down. There's, so like, oh people, <laughs> there's, there's so many people on Instagram people can follow, but I'd like to keep my contact out there. So if people want to use me to help them reverse their diabetes or help them manage their type one diabetes, um, you know, people living with diabetic compl uh, type one diabetes don't have to develop diabetic complications. And they can take very, very low amounts of insulin. And I mean, for people who listen to this, who are type one, when I say a carb ratio of um, 22 to 36, they're going to like fall off their seats or a correction factor of 80 to 160, meaning one unit of insulin is going to bring them down a 160 points. That's very insulin sensitive. And this is what happens to patients living with diabetes who eat lots of carbohydrates on a low fat diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think just keeping your Instagram as like a, as a way that people can find you and then connect to you or whatever is important. I mean, you don't have to, we don't have to be on it all the time. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as well about it. I'm just like, I'm over it. <laughs> it makes me sad. And sometimes when I get on, I'll see horrible pictures. And if I see it early enough in the day, it just, it changes my whole mood for the rest everything. of everything. I know. Not good. Not good. Yeah. I just, I miss the days when people weren't looking at their phones all the time. I just want to get back to like, if I'm doing something on my computer, I don't see it as, I mean, you know, we've used computers for decades now. It's not, it doesn't really feel, you know, and you don't carry your computer everywhere you go, you know, and like <laughs> standing in line somewhere, <laughs> but like, well, I, I didn't use... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't know. I just, yeah. Oh, no, no, go ahead. go ahead. You, you and your phone. Yeah. Just about my phone. I mean, just what, you know, if you go out in public and you just look around, you know, like not looking at your phone and you look around at everybody 
and everybody's looking down. I was, I rode past a bus stop the other day and every single person, I mean, they have technic, you know, their heads are like this. I'm like, oh, that's a chiropractic appointment right there. You know, <laughs> old people too. Same yes. Thing. All ages. As I stood in line to vote today, my phone was in my purse and everybody was on their device old, young, you know, looking at their phone prior to doing Instagram. I'm so new to Instagram and prior to doing it, I, I rarely looked at my phone and I, and so I don't like what it's doing to me. I don't right. like that. I can't seem to control it good, well enough for my health. When I run now that I have an Instagram account, cause everyone's always posting their exercises, but I've never ran with a phone like ever. And I'm always like, well, this would be so great to capture me running because I'll see manatees or all oh. of the birds and, oh. and to be able to capture that. But I don't run with a phone ever, yeah. Yeah. right? And so, but I, I like being in the moment. I like being at a concert and not having my phone out. I like being at a dinner table with friends and being in the moment and not having my phone out. And I like running without a phone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like part of me wants to, to capture these things to try to, in your mind, you're like, well, I want to inspire people. Or, you know, if you see something like a manatee and then you want to have the message about saving the manatees or whatever it is, but then at the same time, I don't want to perpetuate this, this everybody being on their phone. You know, if, if I, if I'm trying not to be on my phone, but then I'm posting, it's like this I the conundrum. I don't know. <laughs> I tell patients all the time to disconnect and yeah. here I am. I'm addicted to I know, it. <laughs> I know I'm totally addicted and I know it. And I, I, it's, um, just trying to figure out how, you know, when you do have a message or you have a business that you're trying to promote, like, how can you do this without having this, you know, how, like just trying to figure it out, but we'll figure it out because okay. it's not good. <laughs> But at least it connected us. So that's the positive thing, the that's silver right. lining for sure. <laughs> so tell everyone how they can get in touch with you if they, you know, for now or in the future, if you don't have Instagram. <laughs> so I can leave you information that you can probably put. I'll uh, put it in the show notes. In, yeah. yeah. In the yeah. notes uh, for my email and work telephone number. And they can always find me on Instagram at Empower Me Diabetes Health. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me and my my little dog, oh, Buttercup. You. Who is she's, that? She's 11. This is Buttercup. Buttercup, she, you are beautiful. She has lots of issues, um, pancreatic issues, liver issues. She's got congestive heart failure. She's oh, 11. Sweet girl. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> and Bye, she's Buttercup. She is? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think that's what's kept her alive after she was diagnosed with CHF for two years when they told me she oh. would live past six months. What? That's incredible. Yeah. I love that. I have a friend whose dog went plant-based. She he, she had all kinds of skin issues and everything, and she's been no more problems. Plant-based. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Plants, plant power. <laughs> Eat more plants and move more. It's been Eat more meeting you. Thank really you. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Ah, another beautiful story of the healing power of plants. I just love that. It's so inspiring always to hear 
parents who have healed their children, who have healed themselves and now are a beacon of health. And, you know, it's, it's so great also for the younger generations, right? Being able to change one's health like that and stop the pattern, the family, the generational pattern of disease and to be the one who stops it in a family and just stops that cycle is is so inspiring. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Be sure to follow Jacinda on Instagram. I will put all of her information and contact info in the show notes. She is always sharing really inspiring studies, information, and just trying to help everybody realize that we have control of our health. We have control of our destiny and what happens to us. And we can reverse disease, which is always a good thing to hear, right? And we can be the healthiest version of ourselves and also help animals, help the planet. It's like, oh my gosh, it's such a win-win for everyone, right? So with that, I will bid you adieu. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, my lovely friend, peace and plants.